We were at a church weekend once. We arrived on the Friday evening, where church weekends always begin, and we sat round in the lounge. I think the younger families were busy putting children to bed, and I remember well there were 42 of us sitting round in this lounge, all round in a big circle, and we all introduced ourselves for the benefit of the visiting speaker and his wife. And so one by one we just said our names and then passed on to the next one. And then the visiting speaker's wife did her party trick. She went round and remembered every one of our names. Now, how about that? We were all very impressed. She went round having just heard our names once and she remembered our names. But names are important, aren't they? Names are important. I like to try to remember people's names because I always feel it gives people, makes people feel valued when you don't only remember their face, you remember their names as well. And of course we know that in biblical times, names were very important. Jesus meets Simon the fisherman and invents a new name for him, Peter the Rock. In Acts 4, there's a disciple called Joseph, who's a great encourager. So they give him a new name. They call him Joseph Barnabas, son of encouragement. But in Old Testament times, we find that names are so much more important. Every name in the Old Testament seems to have a meaning. Right from Adam means the man. Abraham is given a couple of extra letters in his name to make him Abraham, the father of a multitude. And so on, right through to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, which means my messenger. But what about, what about the most important character in the Old Testament? Yes, God. Well, God seems to have lots of names, and I know that in the Sunday evening services you've been studying some of them. Elohim, Adonai, King of Kings. But there is really only one name of God. Just to give you the background, which you probably already know, Moses, the son of a Hebrew slave, has been raised in Pharaoh's palace with all the benefits of a royal education. But he's killed one of his people's persecutors and he has to relocate and carve out a whole new identity for himself in the land of Midian, which is where we, which we would today call Southern Jordan. He gets married to a local girl, starts to raise a family, and he lives a typically rural life as a shepherd which is where we find him in verse 1. Apparently having totally put out of his mind the downtrodden Hebrew slaves in Egypt. But of course the wonderful thing is God hadn't forgotten them. Isn't that lovely? Thinking of that verse in Isaiah which says Why are you saying my cause is disregarded by the Lord? God hadn't forgotten his people. He'd seen, I love, I love all these verbs, he'd seen, he'd heard, he was concerned, and he was going to rescue them. So that wonderful God who doesn't forget us when we're in need. But let's put ourselves in Moses' shoes. 
which actually isn't difficult, but he's just taken them off. <laughs> and Moses is wondering whether God had forgotten about his people. And even if Moses remembered from time to time about his people, he now had a new life. He'd got a family. He'd relocated. But this God, this God of Abraham is now speaking to him. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God has heard the cry of the slaves and he wants Moses to bring the slaves out of Egypt and into a promised land. And Moses says in effect, what, me? Or to put it in the words of scripture, who am I? Or as the Good News Bible translates it, I'm nobody. You ever felt like that? Who am I? Every now and again, God prompts us to do something, doesn't he? Sometimes it's something that demands a bit of courage. And we think, who, me? Why are you asking me to do this, God? What, me? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just me, little old me. Why are you asking me to do this? And God says that wonderful phrase that appears, I don't know how many times in the Bible, some of you probably know, I will be with you. Wonderful, isn't it? One person plus God is a majority. I will be with you, says God. Right through to the last verse in Matthew. I will be with you to the end of the age. That wonderful promise of God with us. He may seem as if he's distant. He must have seemed to Moses as if God had just disappeared off the scene. But no, God was concerned and God was going to do something about it. No one's going to believe me, says, Beth, says Moses. Nobody's going to believe me. I've got to have a name. I've got to tell them who sent me. What is your name? And you remember, this reminds me of Jacob wrestling with that mysterious stranger in Genesis 32 by the brook Jabbok. He's wrestling all night. He calls out, what is your name? And God doesn't tell him what his name is then. But now, in the desert, by the burning bush, it's God's time. God's kairos moment. God's purposes are coming to fruition to call out a people who will be his peculiar people, a special people, a kingdom of priests before God. God's chosen people are going to have a personal God who, a little later in the story, is going to enter into a covenant with them. And God tells this humble shepherd there in the desert what his name is. It's a spine-tingling moment, isn't it? The God of the universe is going to declare a special name that will be the name of the God of the Hebrews. And God utters a name that nobody has ever heard before. Okay, let's see if we can bring it up on the screen. That's the name. What is it? What is it? What did Moses hear? You ever thought about that? What did Moses hear? It's four Hebrew letters. 
the English equivalent would be YHWH. Reading from right to left, of course, as you do in Hebrew. What did Moses hear? He heard a sacred name that nobody had ever heard before and which nobody knows to this day what he heard. The translators of our Bible say, I am who I am. And usually in a footnote, they say, I will be what I will be. They adopt this translation because the word bears some resemblance to the Hebrew verb hayah, to be. It doesn't actually say, I am, but that's pretty close to it. But it isn't necessarily what God said. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's the secret name of our mysterious God. The fact is that there were lots of titles that could be attributed not only to the God of the Hebrews, but to other pagan gods. King of Kings. Many pagan gods were called King of Kings. Even my Lord. Elohim could be applied to other so-called gods. But to the shepherd who stammers, who am I? God tells him who he is. Who he is, which is far more important than who Moses is. He's a God who was binding himself by a covenant to a downtrodden, despised people. Isn't that wonderful? I love that verse in Deuteronomy that said, God didn't choose you because you are wonderful people, because you were strong, because you were numerous, but because I loved you. Because I love you. Is that lovely? God didn't choose you because you were especially bright. Didn't choose me because there's anything special about me. He chose us because he loves us and has set his love upon us. He'd been watching over his people, says verse 16. And he was going to act. He was going to deliver them and bring them to a land where they could be a showcase to the world of what it was, what it was like to be a people who worshipped an invisible God. Not a God of stone or wood that was carried into battle at the head of the armies, but an invisible God. When the Hebrew scriptures were later given vowels, because they're four consonants, there's no vowels there. When the Hebrew scriptures were later given vowels, some centuries later, the name of God was considered too sacred. Jewish people always, when they see this sacred name, say Adonai. When I learned Hebrew, in, well, I say learned Hebrew, when I wrestled with Hebrew for three years, I never, never learned it. Um, when we were reading in the class, we said Adonai when we came to this. You don't try to say anything else. But the Jewish scriptures, when they added vowels, which are in Hebrew, as you may know, little dots under the letters, the name of God was considered too sacred, so they added the vowels from Adonai. So whenever the four-letter symbol appeared, despite the fact that vowels had been put in place, which should, in theory, have enabled it to be pronounced, Jewish people always, to this day, say Adonai. When the Jewish rules and regulations were codified some 200 years after Jesus, in a document called the Mishnah, there is this 
prohibition. He who pronounces the name with its own letters has no part in the world to come. So that's it. Anathema to anyone who tried to pronounce the name of God. And this sacred name appears in every book of the Old Testament except for Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes and Esther. What about the New Testament? And I can't resist going into the New Testament even though this is an Old Testament study. Well, when the New Testament writers, Paul, John and all the rest of them, when they came to write a quotation from the Old Testament that included the sacred name, the Tetragrammaton, they did not try to translate it or transliterate it. They didn't know how to. It was still there in the Hebrew Bible without vowels. And so they used the ordinary Greek word kurios, which means Lord, which could also mean Sir, but it's not a high and lofty title. So they used the word kurios. So the word Lord with capital letters does not appear in our New Testament. Because there's no instance where the sacred name of God is written in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, as you know, Lord in capital letters indicates that it is Yahweh. When Western theologians wanted to talk or write about the Old Testament God, they used the vowels added by the Hebrew scholars and transliterated the whole thing as Yahweh or Jehovah. Jehovah reflects the German influence, of course, with the J. But Yahweh is actually the pronunciation, the best pronunciation you get from YHWH with vowels in. Some English Bibles use Jehovah or Yahweh throughout the Old Testament. Our NIV uses Lord with, a capi with capital letters. Is there no trace, then, of this wonderful, sacred name of God? This name that's so mysterious, that says something about, I am, I always will be, like a, like a breath of wind, just reflecting. Did Moses hear something like a breath of breeze there in the desert, the presence of God? We don't know. We can conjecture, but we don't know. Well, linguistically, no, there's no trace of this sacred name in the New Testament. But, but, we read of Jesus and the things he said about himself. Anyone know what John 8, 58 says? <laughs> yes, you've got it, yeah. He said, before Abraham was, I am. That's a spine-tingling thing for Jesus to say, isn't it? Before Abraham was, um, centuries beforehand, more than a thousand years beforehand, before Abraham was, I am. Not I was, I am. Jesus proclaiming himself to be timeless, pre-existent. I am. The words... Or as near as we can guess, the words that God uttered to Moses in the desert. And Jesus said, I am. I am. Wonderful. And of course, you all know all those wonderful I am statements. Let's just have a look at them, Richard, just to refresh our memory. 
I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus using this I am not in any special linguistic formulation but just saying something that every Jew would have recognised as being a claim to divinity I am the bread of life and I want you to think about these just while we're looking at those and I suggest in your heart of hearts take one of those I am sayings and make them your strength for the weak I am the resurrection and the life I am the good shepherd isn't that wonderful the good shepherd reflecting God the shepherd of his people I am the door the sheep the way by which we come to God I am the light of the world I am the bread of life think about them take if you forget everything else I've said tonight remember that Jesus said these words and take one of them and take it home with you but when you're in need during the week remember that Jesus is that I am he's the bread of life he nourishes you when you're feeling dry he's the light of the world when you're needing guidance he's the light for our path when you're wondering how you're going to break into a situation I am the door of the sheep when you're feeling lost when you're feeling that God has forgotten you he is the good shepherd and I am the resurrection and the life he's our future if you're worried about the future if you're worried about your health I am the resurrection and the life take one of those away with you and may it bless you during the week